first off, you probably won't hear this. Second off, get woke, people. <laughs> get woke, people. That's a good title for the episode. Uh, or is that an appropriate? Is that an unfair appropriation of woke? Hey, it's the Engineering Podcast. I'm Adam. I'm Brian. We're back for another hang in the laboratory. Thank you for joining us. Oh, and this one's going to get real laboratory, like real science. We're going to talk about what it means to have a laboratory. Ooh. This one. Uh, special thanks, as always, to our supporters who throw us as little as a buck a month to uh, help us with, uh, you know, what it takes to keep this thing going. Uh, if you want to jump in over there you go to support.zengineeringpodcast.com or uh there should be a link in the description you can follow that one so what do we what do we got this is this is another in our series of finishing up series <laughs> this is this was this was supposed to be our 50th episode it was kind of we did all this build up through uh episodes on experiments and experts and scientific thinking and and this is this is the culmination this is uh it's much more than we thought it was going to be it was it's the scientific method is like the 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 kindling that begins this conversation but it's the culmination of everything we've ever discussed on engineering right this is the core why we started the podcast i think it's what drives us why why do you think we balked do we just get distracted by shiny guests and because it's way easier to talk about terminators and (laughs) iphones and stuff than to discuss like the biggest questions in the history of of the universe right yeah right i mean it literally to try to talk about what the scientific method is and what it means to humanity is essentially to trace back to the progression of the continuum of like everything we've ever known or understood or been taught and yeah. why we know it and why we feel the way we do about it, which is what I think that's what makes it hard is because it's not just about how we find the stuff. It's then about like why you believe it. And belief is not a scientific thing. Belief is an emotional thing. And so it's sloppy immediately. Yeah. Yeah, this this is a it's, it's a great way to put it, right? This this conversation, I would not have been able to have this conversation in this format uh when we started this podcast and we knew that. <laughs> we knew that for sure. Plus I was also uncomfortable, right? Cuz this touches on stuff that I get very emotionally I I sp- respond very emotionally to, um both good and bad, right? There're things that I'm really excited about, there're things that I really dislike, there're things that have inspired me. There are things that have like repressed me. So it's a, it's a complicated topic. It's an emotional topic. It's sloppy, right? It's a, it's a hard thing to have an intellectual conversation around the scientific method and what it really leads to. Well, and so there's, and, 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 and I think the emotional piece comes back to this idea of, of it. It's, Talking about scientific things or the scientific method is a really great way to trigger insecurity in anyone you're talking to, like really fast. Because we're immediately going to get to this idea of, oh, here's a thing you don't know. And so part of that is like a weird emotional thing you have to get over of feeling like there's some virtue in knowing things which we certainly have talked about before is, is getting weird now because it used to be like, well, you need to know things because that's the only way 
that like anyone in the village would have that information. <laughs> now everyone has all the information. Right. So you don't really need to know anything. And so all that's left is belief. And I, that's partially, I think, why everything is so messy right now. <laughs> I totally agree. Because it's just all warring beliefs. Right. And we, and this is, this is also funny, uh, speaking of like the foundation of the podcast, that's part of why we started this, right? We wanted to chase down uh, things that we thought were untrue, that were being information that was being propagated and, and more so like the way information was being propagated, right? And that's really blown up recently, right? That is fake news, fake news, but it's fake news, fake news. But that was, (laughs) that was one of our, uh, that was something we just talked about all the time, right? We would kind of complain. We would like bitch to each other. We just gotten on that fake news branding train sooner. (laughs) If only we had coined that term. The, the reason for that insecurity, I think comes back to a thing that's like, yeah, it's in the territory of beliefs, but the problem of having those beliefs and the contrast of, of what you might think of as a sort of maybe a spiritual belief or a philosophical belief versus a scientific belief is that the scientific beliefs are reached by applying a particular systematic methodology. And that's the scientific method. Um, but I think before we like literally run through the flow chart of what's the scientific method, which should be a flashback to like fifth grade for anyone in the United States, I think you you got to deal with that idea of um, certainty, like the notion of certainty and truth, mm-hmm. because that's what creates the insecurity. The reason it gets weird is because it's a really uncomfortable thing to commit to the idea that there is no certainty or the idea is to never actually have to, to have certainty only on a continuum of the extent to which we understand it. But then to say, well, but if you're telling me this is a truth, then you're not doing it right because we don't know. We don't, there is no. Yeah. I think uh, the, we've, we've encountered this a lot around this conversation. The idea that there is no truth right? Which is, is a, it's as when I say it, my, my emotion goes to a very philosophical place, right? It goes to, uh, it goes to like an abstract place where part of my being in part of my reaction is, oh, wait, that's not right for science. Science is, is about truth. But when you really boil it down and when you really come to understand the purpose of the scientific method and, and more so the more so than the purpose, but like the function, how does it work? How is it applied to our understanding about the world and about our lives? You realize that truth is counter to science. The idea of there being fact is counter to science, which so many people would be so angry at me for saying that, I think, at at an initial reaction to it. But I think it's so important right now in the world for scientists and for engineers and for people who care about the pursuit of understanding to start to have that conversation. It, it, is, it, it is a feature of modern science that we recognize and follow the rule that there is no truth, which I guess is kind of well, oxymoronish there. <laughs> well, the problem is that, that 
the practice of science in an academic context, if you are a scientist and not like someone who, you know, like, I consider myself a scientific thinker, but I'm certainly not a scientist. I'm not like going around every day trying to contribute to the body of what we would consider scientific understanding. The people that do that all day, th this gets back to our idea of experts. They are experts. And you, you should go back and listen to our episode about experts. They're so far down a rabbit hole of the application of these things that they have these things where they're like, well, I just proved that shit. And it's like, well, yeah, but if you go and convey it that way to people, which then gets us to the episode about how you teach people, like, if you go convey it to people in that way, you're leaving out this important philosophical aspect of science, which is that like everything should be prefaced with, okay, I'm going to remind you because this is really abstract, but all of this stuff exists on a continuum of here's the stuff we have tons of evidence for to the point of like the sun is going to come up again tomorrow because it has never not. There's that, that level of certainty. And then there's this level of certainty, like at the far end, where if you talk to quantum physicists about subatomic particle behavior, they all kind of go, eh, it gets weird. Like literally the, 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 the quote is spooky behavior at a distance, right? right? Like they literally admit, ah, oh, it just got weird. And so if you like the, the problem is in trying to present the really complex thing really deep down a rabbit hole that you're like, hey, look what we just discovered that they're stoked about because it's so far down the rabbit hole. Like you lose the part of the whole thing is this like genealogy of exploration that climbs out of what was originally called natural philosophy. Like the idea of we're going to take this mode of inquiry and apply it to the world around us. And here are the principles of how that is done. Uh, I feel like an interesting place to go from here. I have a hit point on the list here is the talking in the context of certainty. Again, before we get to the scientific method, specifically what is the scientific method is uh, math versus science, which is an interesting one, right? Like that it comes up in the context of what I just said, because part of it is deep down a lot of those rabbit holes. They're using math and math does provide a certain level of certainty and that causes the whole thing <laughs> to get really weird because then the people come out and they go, I'm a scientist and I just discovered this thing. Here's why it's true. And then they show you a bunch of math. And so all the, you know, the people that get it go, okay, up to a point, but then they also realize that here's this place where, yeah, but it was applied to the real world. And so uh, we're back into uncertainty and people that, that aren't as, you know, like, like keyed into the whole thing, see the math and they go, Oh, we got some truth here. And they've just violated the idea of the scientific method because like, yeah, math, this, this came, this came out of our, out of us having this conversation so many times, but I, I feel so differently towards math than I used to. I used to very much just lump math and science together. We even had, we even had a class that I absolutely adore. It was, it was such a wonderful class called math science. Uh, in in school together. When we we talked about it in one of the episodes um, in this series. But those two things, although they work very well together, um, although they're often associated with each other, they're very different. Math is a very special... I don't even know the... I don't have words to... It's something different in the universe, kind of, right? It's a different 
pursuit of understanding. It's a different tool. It's a different mode of thought. It exists only like within itself. Whereas science is really the pursuit of understanding our perspective, of understanding what the world is like from my perspective, and then also tying me to you as another creature who I respect, who I recognize exists and has thoughts and feelings and views on the world. How do we relate? How do we bring our perspectives together so that I can appreciate what you see and feel? Science is that bridge. Philosophy is that bridge too, right? And, and, and as we get in this conversation, I think it becomes very apparent that if you frame science properly, that it's the same thing. It, it, it is philosophy, but it's with this framework, the scientific method applied on top of it that allows it to be constructive and, and, and move towards move information across this, this gradient of understanding from we don't understand it very well to we, we understand it as well as we're able to right now. We've studied a lot and we believe this right now. Uh, and, but we recognize that that will change over time. Well, and so that gets back to the natural philosophy thing insofar as I think what I'm saying with the people down the rabbit holes and stuff is the piece that maybe science communicators fail to hit and should more readily admit to is like science is ultimately a branch of philosophy. And by that, I mean, it starts from the idea of like when I... Uh, repetitively say everyone should study philosophy on some level in school. Like it's partially about learning how to think. It's also partially about becoming comfortable with what the discourse is like. If the beginning first premise of the whole pursuit is there is no truth, right? And it's really easy to see in a philosophical conversation because they all start with weird abstract questions like, do we exist at all or what does does mean what is does do does 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 it like and so it's really easy to immediately get to that place of like okay it, nothing there's just not going to be an answer to this everyone's anyone's ever going to convince me of concretely and so then we're just going to have this conversation but then when you consider this sort of natural philosophy turns into all the branches of science you have to realize that they still track back to that underlying idea of there is no concrete truth. The point is continue exploring forever. And so that means you can have beliefs, but those are just what you believe at that moment. And if anyone comes in and says, no, you should believe this and you just, you should believe it and it's just not going to change. And that's just belief and just have it. Then, then we're into this faith territory and like faith and the scientific method, they can't, there's no, uh, I have faith in the scientific right. method. You have, there are some, <laughs> there's some funny, there's, there's this funny space that you have to jump from, right? Cause it's impossible to talk, I think, uh, properly about science and the scientific method without also talking about philosophy, but to get to a place all of a sudden where there's like practical application of science, you have to sort of agree that, okay, there, there may not be anything and then there may not be truth, but we have to recognize also that like, there are things <laughs> you have to kind of be like, well, wait, but I, there, I can pick up a mug and I can pour liquid out of it and I can tell time on my watch. So what the hell is that shit? 
And how do I talk about it? And how do I think about it when I also recognize that like there might not be those things? Well, and so that's where we get to the progression, like the continuum of understanding that I think we introduced way early in talking about this. I think in the context of experimentation, because talking about experiments is doing experiments is how you progress on the continuum of understanding, right? And so with this idea of 100% certain truth, completely impossible. But it doesn't mean that we can't have 99.9999999. The sun's going to come up tomorrow unless it explodes. Like, that's what we got, right? So on your continuum of understanding, you have that. And then again, if you chase it far enough, you eventually have like, well, there's this idea of a thing called dark matter that seems to hold stuff together because like we otherwise have well, not been a- able to explain or test why that stuff does uh, like yeah, science does. require the scientific method requires faith that the universe will behave consistently. Right. That's it's that's its component. Right. If, if which is which is it's a weird place to be. Right. Because that's a very strange thing to believe in, especially when you, if you look at like many scientific foundational principles, and and I'm talking like hard science, low level scientific principles, right? Physics and and chemistry and stuff. Uh, Why? Why do we expect that those things will be consistent? Why do we expect that the earth will continue to go around the sun the way it always has? Right. And so there's, there's absolutely this level of faith that is just based on the way our brains interpret things, right? Our brains are very good at recognizing patterns and we just recognize that the sun comes up every day. It's a really obvious pattern. It's a very easy one to recognize and become accustomed to. And the whole earth has evolved to expect that and behave that way and grow that way and live that way. And so there's, there's this basic faith based component that is, well, things seem to behave consistently, but then it gets really squishy as you move up the realm of science from things like physics up into things like neurobiology and then and then social sciences, right? Like political science. The same framework can be applied to these things. The same framework can be applied to populations and, and the health of your physical body based on nutrition, but it gets so complicated that where those where those things that we understand and accept as useful scientific principles, where they sit on that continuum of of understanding, they sit somewhere differently. Gravity sits somewhere differently than nutrition. But that's hard to convey. Well, and I think it's hard to convey because all of this stuff we just talked about is like when you say faith, when you say understanding, when you say knowledge, like those are all not things right like you say you have faith you have understanding you have knowledge it makes it sound like (laughs) you can go get a box of knowledge and you can pick it up and you can carry it away and it's not really true they're all essentially verbs they're all human things that that human they're all human experiences of the thing around you right like faith is a way of saying you believe a thing understanding is a way of saying you get the thing and could explain it to others. Knowledge is you've memorized a bunch of facts, whatever you want to call it, right? Wisdom is you've experienced stuff enough to be (laughs) cynical enough to be like, yo, that's not going to (laughs) work. I know you think it's a good idea. But so if you strip all that away, right? I think that is covering all the stuff you have to cover and just to be like, okay, all that stuff that makes you feel weird, 
that's all the human emotional sloppy nonsense on top of what is concretely the scientific method and the application of this particular mode of inquiry and these rules and what exactly that is. So let's 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 jump into the method. Drum roll, like, please. Really right, like we'll put it in the show notes, but like run, I, me, run me through. Definitely. So it's it's a little flow, it's a little chart. flow chart. And I uh, I looked at a lot of flow charts to find one that I was happy with, because um, this one has a particular feature of it that I think is important. But the the scientific method, and you mentioned this earlier, but this is we we teach this uh, to kids uh, pretty early on, right? In in elementary school, maybe at the end of elementary school. Um, cause it's, it's the framework for understanding and when applied properly, I think it's the framework for all understanding. It's not just science. Um, cause in, in ways, everything is science, right? Well, it's, uh, so the, the first item on there is observation, which I'll let you take it from here. Right. But the idea of it's, it's taking an <laughs> observation and then how do you take that observation and push it up that continuum of understanding? Right. Right. right? And here's how you do well, it. Observation is, is like life right? It's existence. As far as we know, uh, as far as we like to think about it, like rocks aren't out there necessarily making observations. They they are. (laughs) We can make that argument too, but we're creatures. We're like living creatures. We're humans. We have conversations. We're looking at things with our eyes and we're receiving information from the universe. And and in our world, we observe stuff all the time. And our brains, for whatever reason, our consciousness, our being, our emotions, whatever, make us want to come to conclusions about that stuff, right? I see something happening and my body says, ooh, you should respond this is way. Is this and part so, of a pattern? Because if it is, I can use it to <laughs> increase prosperity or health or kill someone right. else. Right, I can I can reproduce <laughs> myself or I can get myself food so I can continue to exist while I try to reproduce myself. Right. <laughs> so observation comes very naturally to everything, right? Plants are doing it all the time. We're doing it all the time. Arguably everything in the universe is, right? There's just information being exchanged. And so uh, this, the steps that come from here are what make this distinct and unique and amazing. It's an amazing invention that we've come up with as humans. So the first step to the scientific method after observation is a hypothesis, right? You see these, you see all this stuff happening and then you want to say, oh, because I saw that happen, here's my hypothesis. Because I've seen the sun rise every single day since the day I was born, every 24 hours, there's this cycle. Yeah, I'm going to make the hypothesis that it's going to happen tomorrow. I'm not going to make any other assumptions. I'm not going to try to jump to the conclusion that we know now. I'm not going to jump to the conclusion that the Earth's rotating around the sun and there are these planets and planetary formation and universes and galaxies. I can't make that jump. I'm just a dude on a farm 10,000 years ago who sees the sun come up consistently and knows that's when I got to go outside and take care of my crops. And before we had this method to do this, it, it was just like a mess of hypotheses. And people going, ah, it's because uh, there's a dragon and the dragon eats the sun every day <laughs> and poops it out the next day. And that's why, and, and, and it's digestive tract wraps around the other side of this, the thing we're on, whatever that right. is, and <laughs> comes out the other side. And you didn't have any way to like go, uh, here's proof that that's the you case. Didn't have anything. Other than everyone else seems to think that's okay too. You just so, have yeah, whatever, you just buy it, a, we're good. A thing appear. <laughs> above you and it would be there all day and then it would disappear there was no concept of it being on the other side of a planet right and so i think the sun's a fun one to walk through the scientific method with so the hypothesis is just tomorrow the sun is going to come up again and it and maybe you even can go far enough to be like i have a sense of time 
who knows when the concept of time really started to be discussed. We could probably look that up, but it comes up periodically and that period seems to be the same, but there's going to be a sun. The sun's going to come up tomorrow. That's your hypothesis. And so then the philosophers said, okay, well, we spend a whole bunch of time sitting around in our togas or whatever. <laughs> and, and we, we talk about why things are happening. And then we try to convince each other of why those things are the way that they are. And we're trying to do that by like, well, here is a set of facts that if I said, well, if this is true and then this is true and then this is true, then like that would constitute a proof. And it kind of goes along with the mathematic thing, right? Like, so part of what was happening at the same time is people were looking at, uh, if when you get a degree in philosophy, you're required to take a class called symbolic logic, which is essentially just algebra. It's algebraic proofs. Mm -hmm. But it's the idea of at the same time we were developing mathematics as a way to represent these weird things that seemed to hold to be true when we designated them with symbols and then ran <laughs> those symbols through a system. And we found that like you could start to do these things where the logic that you were stacking up, and by logic I don't mean like, oh, that makes sense, like, like co computational logic started to stack up in a way where you went, well, every time we do it with that cycle, it's always true. And then the philosophers on the other side are watching that and they're going, okay, what if we try to apply that to the world around us? And so it doesn't even start as this idea of like, oh, we need a method for this. They were just like, well, uh, could you do a test to prove that this is the case? And it's, it's partially why you have all these Renaissance guys that are like good at building shit and painting and also about writing about stuff and all whatever. Cause like it all just started as you had to be the guy that could build the mm -hmm. mechanism to run the test and also draw a picture of it. So other people could see it. So you could publish your ideas so that the other philosophers could argue with you about whether or not that would be true. And then the best way to shut down an argument was to be like, well, go replicate my test, <laughs> totally. bro. You'll see it's true also. And so we get the next piece, right? So, which was like, okay, all these hot hypotheses are floating around and everybody's arguing about which one is true. And somebody went, well, let's just run a fucking test. It's <laughs> <laughs> exactly how it happened. Exactly. Right. The next step then is experiment, right? You observed something. We observed that there's a sun and that it does stuff and that it goes away. Then we made a hypothesis. It's going to come back up and it's going to come back at the same time that i see it at the same period right the same periodicity periodicity it's gonna repeat and so there's weird parts of that because first you got to measure time so you need to have this like, like like first you have to have a an hourglass that you can be like yep this this predictably uh cycles through 24 times before the sun oh, comes units up again. is a great episode to do we should get someone from <laughs> nist on to talk about the national institute of standards uh, technologies yeah. Units are hilarious, the kind of things we do to measure units. Let's assume we have a, let's assume for this conversation that the, uh, the units have been the, established. Uh, units have been yeah. established. Units yeah. of time have been established. <laughs> we have a, a, what's the thing with the sand that goes through an hourglass? We've got, a, we've got a 24 hour glass or a 50 hour glass, whatever. So the experiment here now is, is the sun going to come up tomorrow? Pretty sounds silly as an experiment, right? But crucially important to the concept of pursuing understanding in the universe right we have to look at that and we have to we have to we have to continually test that to a point where we can just say Craft okay away. i get it i accept it it's it's that way and we can chill about it for a little bit right 
Well, you have to use whatever else you've got, be that math or engineering or, you know, a tower that you can drop a ball off of to uh, reproducibly, you know, and, and part of what's worth mentioning here is in the development of the scientific method, like publication became part of it, which is part of the whole thing. Like being able to write your ideas down and send them to someone else so they could try it too is an important part of the experiment uh, sort of process. But we did a whole episode on experiments. So that'll be in the, sh- you know, in the show notes, mm-hmm. we can talk about the idea of experimentation. So you, you create an experiment and that experiment either shows that your hypothesis regarding your observation was true or not. Yep. This is where it starts to get true funky. is the wrong word. No, right? you don't show that it's true, true. again. That's, that's the funky part right. here. We, uh, the experiment, this goes back to all the philosophy that we started to talk about at the beginning. The experiment is never, ever, ever in science to prove that something's true. That's not the point of the scientific method. And it's not philosophically. Right. Even with my big tirade <laughs> about true, I just totally because it. it's, it's not how we're taught. It's not how this is presented <laughs> to us. And it's right. not how it's the public how consciousness accepts these things. We think of science, it's why there's this bitter war between these these different philosophies that are all in the pursuit of the same thing. And I really liked, a, 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 we're, go, we're going somewhere that you brought up earlier, uh, a way to look at this that I think is really beautiful and really cool and really unites a lot of this. But the, the experiment here, because philosophically science doesn't believe in truths, uh, the experiment is only able to disprove your hypothesis. And so with the sun example, and this is this is challenging because it makes it hard to know when you should start to accept things. But that's where this continues to get more beautiful, I think. So with the sun experiment, this this guy or this girl who is looking at the sun and wants to know what's going on with it has to just sit there day in and day out, flipping their hourglass over and being like, all right, the hourglass, the, this 24 hour glass flipped roughly half. It was, was halfway through when the sun went down. Uh, and then it was empty when the sun came back up. I ran it the next day, same thing happened. I ran it the next day, the same thing happened. I ran it the next day, I'm getting bored. I've been sitting here, I've been sitting here measuring the sun for days and days and days. And it's identical. It's identical. And it's identical, I watched it for years. I watched it for my whole life through the seasons, which we didn't know what the seasons were, but we knew there were this period, this, these cycles. It's the same over the seasons. It's the same. It's been the same my whole life. So then you've got this hypothesis that you came up with. You ran an experiment on it and your conclusion is I couldn't prove it wrong. Your conclusion is not that the sun follows this period every single day. It's just that I came up with it and I tested it over and over again and I can't make it not behave that way. So I need to pass this off to someone else and see if I'm if I screwed up. Did I measure it wrong? Am I introducing bias? Am I a crazy person? Am, is the sun even there? Am I the only person who sees the sun? Well, and so I think what makes that difficult that's in that space of that causes me to go, it's true, like is the reason that the scientific method works, but is all it but is important for the the progression of human society and technology, but is also so hard is because it's a situation where in order to counter human impulses regarding storytelling regarding assumptions, regarding pattern recognition, we're deliberately employing a tool 
to force us to not do <laughs> totally. those things because they're not helpful. And so, so it's this weird thing of like, you have to commit to this thing. It's going to feel weird until you're like way down used to doing it. And then it's just habit and you're used to it. And you, then you're a scientist. But like at first it's like, yeah, but I, but I kind of want to just be like, well, it's been 30 times. And so it's going to happen again the next time point to make. Right. Because it's a, it's a counter to what they would call the gambler's right. fallacy. Right. right. Like it, it doesn't, it, the fact that it's come up heads 30 times doesn't mean it's not still 50 50 right. when you're flipping a coin unless you could use experimentation to find that there's right. something wonky about that coin it's that's really important i think to recognize that this you're you're exactly right with the scientific method it has purposefully been put in place to counter natural human behavior because our natural human behavior does not necessarily progress us in a functional direction to further understanding right? We want to jump to conclusions. We want to very quickly spot patterns because for most of our evolution, we weren't given the liberty, the freedom, the the safety to sit around and think about this stuff, right? We had to make quick decisions to find food and avoid being eaten. So <laughs> well, that changed. That's it's a luxury now. Out of here. And Rocks we're fall. all just hanging around now. <laughs> and so we have this incredible luxury as these creatures within the universe to think about it, to think about ourselves and our place and our perspectives and to recognize other people are also having these perspectives. How do I really start to relate to you? Are you, do you see the sun? Yeah, man, I see it. What color is it for you? Well, it's kind of orange. Is it the same orange I'm seeing? There's, there's, there's this, there's this depth to this stuff where we need to find this. We need this framework to help us relate to each other. Well, so let's 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 get back to the method real quick so we can hit these last pieces because the the other ones get they're less concrete than the uh so you have your conclusion, right? Which is uh, an expression of the extent to which you are unable to disprove <laughs> your hypothesis so via experiment. Right? Yeah, right? But it's like, okay, here's what I but what what you're really expressing is I think yeah, this is what it is. Here's my hypothesis. Here's the experiment I ran uh, by which I was unable to disprove it. So I think the hypothesis is like the way, what we got for now yep. uh, to explain the and, observation. And in a way that um, sums up the scientific method, right? But in the modern world, we've taken it and we've expanded it, right? Because within that, within that realm of the scientific method, it's just limited to that person and their reality and their perspective and their ability to test things and think through other ways that things could be looked at or perceived. And so <clears throat> the the rest of the scientific method is to propagate that out. It's to share your information. It's to share what you've been studying with other people and, and say, hey, here's something that I have put a lot of effort into and a lot of time into. And it seems to be a way that the world behaves. And I'm really curious if it's that way for you too. Can you check it out and then report back to me so we can have this cool conversation about it? And so, and so, you, so you have your conclusion, and you write it down, or express it to other people, and then part of taking part in like sort of this community of science, the scientific community, right, is you, uh, you try it out also to see if you can go. Hey, it's that better. happened for me too. 
Uh, and so you get these two threads that come off of conclusion on the diagram we're looking at here, which is uh, re uh, reproduce the experiment, hypothesis supported by evidence, and then these loop on the on the on the chart, right? So you can experiment conclusion supported by evidence, reproduce the experiment, experiment conclusion hypothesis, over and over and over you keep doing it over and over again, right? And every time you do, it's increasing. You're like, okay, well, there's another time that we tested it and it worked. Here's another version. Uh, put a different variable in there, but it also still happened. I'm in another place on the Earth, and the same thing happened with the 24 mm -hmm. and the whatever and whatever. The other direction off of conclusion is right. inconsistent with hypothesis. And then you have revision of hypothesis, and then that loops back to experiment. So the other road you can take is try the experiment. It's not consistent. You say, well, okay, but what if we, what if we then, um, we're, we're still all having the same observation. The sun is still coming up, but what if I now change this piece of it and we rerun the experiment and change this piece of it and we rerun the experiment. And you keep, there's, right. there's a thread where you can keep doing that in which you alter the experiment to see if you can revise the hypothesis to well, get it all to really line up neat again. Continuation of the sun story, the experimenter on the sun. Uh, had we not had a an hourglass at the beginning, and we just and our original hypothesis was just the sun's going to come up every day, which I guess without knowing the sun's going to come up, you don't have days, but like I'm going to the sun's going to come up again, right? Is your hypothesis, and you test right. it, and you watch it for years, and the sun always comes up. Right. And so you you get to go through the here's my hypothesis. Here's the conclusion. The conclusion is the sun's always going to come up. You pass that along to everyone else on Earth. They all observe it. And we ultimately at some point, everyone's just like, yeah, this really does seem consistent. Let's make this a foundational theory in science and let's release it and let's teach people this and let's use it to make more observations. And so then now that you've got that as a foundational theory, the sun's going to come up. Right. The sun will come up again. It went down. Uh, whatever you believe, we're, we're, we're almost certain it's going to come up again, right? So it's as close to a truth as we can have in science. So then we go one step further and we bust out our hourglasses, right? And we say, I'm going to measure it. And my hypothesis is the sun will follow the same amount of time every day. And you run that for the year and all of a sudden you realize, holy shit, it's changing. It's different throughout the year. The sun is gone for a different amount of time. If you run that experiment long enough, you'll see it starts to cycle again. And then you're in this place where, wait, my hypothesis for this was that the sun was going to follow the same cycle every day because I watched it for years and it always came up. And so your hypothesis going in is the sun will be gone for the length of this hourglass running. And when you realize that it's not that, you would now have to go back and rethink what was going on. Your, your foundational knowledge there is still true. The sun's going to come up, but it's behaving a little different than you thought. And so all of a sudden it reveals something else about reality, whether or not we are making it up or not, but it reveals something about the consistency of the universe that just wasn't observed before. We, we didn't have the specificity to, to find that or see it or apply it or use it. Well, and so then you have this idea of the, th the theory. So like if you're looking, if you're going back to that diagram, you have, it flows through that process of experiments and conclusions and hypothesis revision or not revision and then it essentially spits theory out the other side and you have theory, which is, okay, now I'm going to take that as true for the functions of this system. And then I'm going to try other, uh, other experiments. And 
try to build on that theory. And so this is, you know, one of the interesting breakpoints is the notion of the theory that sometimes when people want to push back on science blindly, they say, well, it's just a theory and that's bullshit. The function from a definition standpoint of theory just me is just a continued commitment, whether it's a disservice or not to the notion that this could still be disproved by some wonky experiment that we never thought of before. And now we got to go back and go, whoa, that that's not even a theory anymore. We got to put it back in the old funnel of cycling through the experiments to try to get back to where we have a theory of why it got weird. Um, but there's a piece of this that I want to hit that ties to the scientific community aspect. And it's interesting because it gets to the place that we end up with a lot of our technology conversations, because I think in technology, it's easy to visualize how these things function. But the scientific method is essentially just a pro, uh, a protocol. And by that, I mean, like when we talk about email protocols, we say, well, we want to send messages back and forth. And if we all commit to this set of rules for how we can send messages back and forth, and we just don't let messages get through that don't, that don't conform to those rules, then we get this massive social media sized powerful force of community where suddenly everyone is able to talk to everyone else. Language is just a protocol for turning sounds mm -hmm. into things I can send to you. And like, like spoken language is just a protocol for if everyone mm -hmm. memorizes all these rules about the noises <laughs> coming out of your mouth, then we can put ideas in one another as long as we're close enough together to make the sounds totally. like, right. So it's all just, if you can come up with a set of rules, you can, offload a process to not having to rethink every single time how you validate the hypothesis. And so by the natural philosophers going, okay, well, we're all going to agree to apply this process so that it can be replicated. You have this explosion that we call the enlightenment of people applying this to everything and going, oh, we got, okay. So we have this, now we have this community of people that it's essentially like, we took this type of exploration that turned out to be particularly fruitful because of the application of this very simple flow chart. And we said, okay, crowdsource that shit. <laughs> we sent it out to everyone and everyone started doing it. And it has resulted in the greatest prosperity of any tool we have ever developed. Unless you want to consider way further back things that are like paradigm shifts, like being able to cook <laughs> food, but that's a different thing. So like, so, so really it, it's, it's interesting because it gets us to technology, but it's just the cyclical application of the same idea. If we can come up with a process to do a thing, which is itself a cycle and then make up the rules for how to do that thing and then float it out to everybody else, you get this explosion of behavior. Twitter is just a protocol for how to send 280 character ideas back and forth and everyone commits to it. And suddenly we have this explosion of behavior. So at its core, the scientific method, never mind all the emotional baggage on top of it, is a protocol to be able to offload and teach other people how to assess uh, the thoughts they have about the world around them in a way that is fruitfully counter to our impulses to make shit up. 
hundred <laughs> percent. And it, and it, and what I think right. is really beautiful about it when you start to get to this point where you're talking about it philosophically or religiously, is the scientific method is the is <clears throat> I think really the only way we've ever come up with to actually understand the experience of other creatures. If I can't come up with a common framework or protocol with which to communicate my lived experience with someone else, then I can't ever really relate to you. And so relating to other people is not just uh, it's not just telling them that you believe the same thing. It's actually letting them experience what you're experiencing. I think it's a deeper it's a deeper connection. Right. And so the scientific method is often thought of as kind of like sterile and it's applied to things that scientists do. Right. Which is true. <laughs> That's how it's kind of taught. That's kind of how it's used. But it's not just that. It can be used absolutely everywhere. The concept of it, the framework of it, the function of it is useful in everyday life for every single person on earth. And it can be applied just to you. You can do experiments around your house. We had this debate when we were doing our experiments episode, and it was really hard for me to appreciate it. But now I, I, I really feel that you're doing experiments all the time. That's how we operate, right? When you go up a set of steps, your brain is doing an experiment real quick, and then your brain is going through the scientific method to measure the steps and make sure that you know how far apart they are. And then your brain takes over and says, okay, I got it. I'm going to follow the steps now. It's very, if you put a weird step in a, in a stairwell, everyone will trip on it because it breaks, oh, yeah. breaks you the alter process your brain's trying to do. Inch, there's, I used to eat at a deli regularly where the fourth step from the top was, I, I never verified <laughs> it by like measuring, but for sure that it was off by just a half inch because you could sit there a whole meal and watch four out of five totally. people's we had a friend's apartment just like that everyone every time i would go over yeah. you'd trip on the step even though you knew it was there right because you're so used to i'd have other people for lunch and i would go watch this <laughs> <laughs> so the scientific method is i think this really beautiful way to share your experience in the universe with other people in a way that actually relates those experiences. It's different than just our words because our words mean different things to each other, but science allows you to speak the same language with concepts, with shared concepts as opposed to just sounds. And the, I think the problem you get or, you know, problem, I, I don't want to use the word problem, right? Cause it's immediately like, let's chase down the negativity. <laughs> the, the positive effect of that is you have aspects of community that then creep in there because when you have a group of people that have all together committed to use this same methodology to develop their beliefs, we're back to the squishy, you know, part from the beginning what we were talking about, like they then stand on, they're all kind of on a certain level in terms of, not needing to rediscuss the reason that they are at this level of here's the hypothesis we're working on now. Like, here's the thing we understand about the world and how we're using that to continue exploration. And because you're again in that belief territory, we end up with this weird, like it's kind of like the problem in the world right now and maybe has always been the problem. It's Probably. just amplified by communication technologies and the ability to destroy one another. But like we have this problem of communities created around beliefs. And I feel like the scientists don't even know how to relate to the people that have beliefs based on other 
methodologies because science is so good at what it does that it's when you see somebody who's not employing that version of the thing to support why they believe the thing they believe, like it's really easy to just go, eh, you just, that's just making you that up. Get it, man. You're just talking about a dragon eating the sun. Like that's just made up. It's a nice story, but like, you're not, you know, and, and, and don't get me wrong. Like I don't, I don't mind the stories, but when you then come at me and say, because a dragon eats the earth, uh, this group of people's got to die. Like now we have a problem uh, and, and I don't know what to, I don't know what to do with that, that level of the conflict. I know what we do. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly what we do. Do you? You have we the need truth? To, we need, we need, we have, uh, we have a world right now where I, I think, I think scientists, because I've been through this. This was this was my experience. Uh, I took on science and engineering in college, and I developed this really hard shell around around it, uh, where I was very defensive about the truths that science has afforded me and the ability to do these fantastic things, to run these experiments and build these wild machines that essentially are employing magic to do things. And what I've realized is. Uh, it's not different than everything else. It's not different than your experience and you telling me that you feel some way and that you believe that you believe something because you feel that way. As long as you allow yourself to change your belief, you are performing the scientific method. No matter what it is you're talking about, no matter what it is you believe, no matter what it is you're looking at, as long as you're willing to observe things, think about them, come to a conclusion about why they're happening and then share that belief with me. As long as you're honest with yourself and truthful and allow yourself to change, you have to allow yourself to change as, as your observations change, then you're performing the scientific method and you're applying it to yourself and then you're sharing it with the world and, and it continues to work. It's as soon as it's as soon as someone says, this is how it is. And I don't want to talk about it anymore. That's the problem. And, and we need to be, to bring everyone back together again, which I think there's, I think at on some level, I don't want to totally generalize, but there's, there's an academic and a non-academic, there's a scientific and a philosophical or a scientific and a religious split in the world, which I get why it's there, but it's, it's not a reality that doesn't really exist. We're all, we're all perceiving things the same. We need to be open and honest enough. Scientists need to be confident enough to explain this stuff properly to people. We need to have enough respect to say, hey, here's a complicated concept. This is how it works. But I'm not I'm not discovering truths. I'm in search of the answers just like you are. I'm in pursuit of philosophical understanding of why I'm here and what I'm doing and what is the purpose of the universe just like you are. But we've all got to keep an open mind and we got to all talk to each other and appreciate each other and respect each other and work together. That's what it that's what it speaks to. So then the difficulty is less about people understanding the scientific method and just broadly the idea of like and I think the reason this is a an American problem right now is because there's always been part of the like the united like there's been a stubbornness to the American dream if you just tough hmm. it out and keep pushing that eventually you prevail and and that doesn't work in the face of if the idea totally. of what 
you know, what allows us to cooperate is that everyone needs to be on a consistent exploration of willingness to alter their beliefs. Like that's also incompatible with the idea of faith. Like I say that I have faith, but I have faith in a process that requires me to have faith in nothing except having faith and not having faith in anything <laughs> blindly. Dense. Right. It's immediately we're back into this annoying word, not of philosophical things, but like it, the, the, the problem I think in the United States is certainly that we have applied this stubbornness in a place where it's a broad disservice being stubborn about what you believe to the point that you're not listening to someone else who is just trying to express the version that they, you know, what has led them to how they feel. And I, and I say feel because that's it. That's a belief is just, I feel this is true. Like there's no, there's nothing you can present to me concrete. That's going to be like, Oh yeah, that's proof. Cause there is no proof. It's all, it's all not true. There is no <laughs> truth. It's all just beliefs. Yeah. Uh, that said, there is also currently a broad and stubborn disrespect for the fact that, uh, scientific, the scientific methods version of how one establishes and then breaks down and reestablishes beliefs is centuries upon centuries upon centuries of continuing to grow like to disrespect that is also a difficult thing to deal with when you are someone who has respect for it, because a lot of the counters to say, well, here's why you shouldn't believe that are based on because people have believed this other thing for 2000 years. And it's sort of like, well, yeah, but that's not a process of growth. That's a process of stubbornness. You can, you can achieve that just by people refusing to listen to other things. Like you can, you can, you can achieve what I just said as support for that idea being true through calcification, right. not through continued growth and testing. Right. And that testing is, is, is one of the key components here, right? Cause it's, it's not belief doesn't function by itself. Right. And, and, and these, there's, there's an aspect to this that I think is important. And I think that is part of the, the excitement and the wonder and the, and the beauty of it and the love of it is that it works as a community, right? Like I, I'm allowed to believe whatever I want. I, I respect your perspective and, and your beliefs. And I, I want to support your right to believe and feel whatever you want in the world. But do you want to live in a world where you're the center of it and whatever you think is true gets to be true? Or do you want to live in a world where we have a shared experience, where we we live together on a planet, in our universe, in this realm, in this lifetime, whatever, where we where there's actual reality to other human beings? And if you're if you just want to believe the things that you feel and tell everyone else the things that they feel are wrong and then not try to find some sort of unifying understanding of what you're both feeling, I think that sucks. That sucks. And it's really hard to not do that, right? Because my perception of my reality is really distinctly mine. You probably don't even exist, right? <laughs> I mean, how do I prove that you are there and that I'm not the center of the universe? But in in where we seem to be philosophically and scientifically with the universe, you, you do seem to be there, <laughs> right? And you do seem to have honest opinions and feelings and emotions. And, and I want to figure out how to how to honestly experience that with you and with my family and with my friends. And 
that's the whole point. This all brings us together, but it, it's this, it's a foundation that brings it together for real. It's how I actually get to feel your experience rather than sort of like a misrepresentation and a misunderstanding. The idea of just being respectful of your opinion is really nice and it's important. It's important for the scientific method, but it doesn't go far enough. I also have to actually understand your perspective and you don't, if you just say, I respect you and your beliefs are cool you can have them. If I don't also try to relate so that our our beliefs and our perspectives align and we understand why we both have them, I think you're just you're just stopping short. You're not going you're not establishing a relationship with the amount of depth that you could. Well, yeah, and I think that's the difference, right? Is if you uh the to be committed to the notions that un, that are that underpin the scientific method is to want to continue a conversation like always if a person says well here's what i believe you say well why and then and then the, and then the conversation keeps going because the point is to try to evolve right. your belief and to try to understand and to try to grow and a lot of other belief systems uh the answer is no do exactly what i'm doing or else i now feel uncomfortable and i'm going to respond to that in a right. way that's not really constructive if the goal is cooperation and community and whatever. And and right now I think we have this sort of broad problem that's sort of in that like political correctness space of exactly what you were just saying, like all beliefs need to be respected. And that's really problematic because if your belief is that I don't have to listen to anyone else's beliefs, you just created a recursive infinite loop problem. I'm supposed to respect that you're a disrespectful <laughs> piece of shit. Like that's not okay. Right, you've just isolated. We can't work yourself. with that. So what are we supposed to do? Right. Right. Um. So so, but to try to wrap this up because we're getting, or you know, this is this is this is descending into into <laughs> madness. Is you know, I think it just it it's it science. Science and the scientific method and exploration and discovery and 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 then belief on top of that is is it's not about uh trying to find a truth and then you'll ever get to stop. It's the same it, it comes back to the same thing we're always talking about. Like the scientific method is a practice mm -hmm. that one can employ in their life and do that. <laughs> I, I think it's a, it's a unifying force. It's something that, that allows us to share experience. And I think it, I think that's beautiful. And I think an important piece that I don't think we've said directly, even though it's come up a lot, is it's okay to say you don't know. That's the whole point. That's the whole freaking point is that we don't know or else we wouldn't be having these conversations. It circles, circles back to the whole thing and the stubbornness and the insecurity that makes it all weird. The very first thing every scientist should admit at the beginning of every scientific scientific explanation is, hey, I'm going to tell you some stuff and like give you some reasons to kind of back up why I think you should maybe believe this also. But you should also know, oh, we don't know. Nobody knows. Uh, you know. <laughs> It's all just weird. We all feel weird together. It's okay for you to tell me you don't know, and I'm not going to be like, you bitch. It just, it just <laughs> enables us to continue to have the conversation, right? If we just go to a certain point and then decide that that's what the understanding is and the truth is, then we're out of things to do, and that's boring, and I want to keep exploring. Which I think is, well, it comes down to a missing piece of the protocol, because this protocol is like trying to find answers to things 
no one no one ever explicitly introduces in the protocol that also we'll never find them because like and then and then that's and then that creates the thing of like when it gets to our episodes about knowledge and our episodes about experts and all of that stuff it's like how do you how do you push the other than practice i don't know what to tell people other than to like like to to not feel the insecurity and the sort of panic that comes with not mm-hmm. knowing right and and we're just taught this right our whole education system is about knowing truth testing and testing truth and so we're just constantly bombarded with needing to prove that you know the truth when that's just not what it's about it's a, it's about a shared not it's even about possible. the shared beauty of not knowing so the moral is get out there, get in a conversation, and actively try to admit you Huge. don't know that's things. That's the best thing you can do. Don't say you don't know things that you <laughs> do know, because that's not helpful either. Like, that's not how you test this. It's not Great an point. improv exercise. But but try to be mindful of when you're like, you know, I don't know that. And I just had the impulse to, like, lie or to hedge or to try to quote some dumb thing right. I heard or to try to make something up. And instead, yeah, just say, attention. I don't know. And like, see what happens, because nobody at nobody at the table is going to go, oh, gross, and if then you, get up and leave. Really? <laughs> if they do, you don't want them you around. Really anyway. try to pay attention to how much throughout the day you say things that you aren't, that you don't actually really know. It's it's just constant. It's basically everything everyone says all day, right? Is stuff that you like, kind of know, you kind of think, you kind of believe, and that's that's good. That's good. I I want people to share their honest. Their their emotions. That's the whole. That's where it all comes from, right? Is our our feelings, our gut feeling, our our process, our perspective. It's all different. They're all right and they're all wrong. But if we don't share them, then there's there's no there's no there's no hope of ever reaching the ultimate, which is is the truth, right? The oneness that people uh, refer to by a lot of different names. But that's what this pursuit is, right? Is how do we come together? How do we experience it all at once? And it's awesome and it's beautiful and it feels great to be on that exciting adventure. I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. But I do know that this was Zengineering Podcast. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Oh, I hope that didn't blow too many minds. No, I hope no. everyone's mind is blown. Stick around. We're going to try to keep doing it. Thanks, as always, to the people that support us. Uh, if you want to jump on board with as little as a buck a month, you can go to support.zengineeringpodcast.com. But thanks for hanging out for another one. This was like old school. Yeah, I feel like we haven't was, gotten in a rabbit hole one. like this in it. I'm proud of us time. for this one. Yeah, this is Engineering Podcast. I'm Adam. Um, Brian, stay curious and humble and truthful and honest. And realize you don't know. I don't know. I don't know. No one knows. <laughs>